Hello and welcome to the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Oh, it's, it's just, officially recording. <laughs> it beeped at me. Yeah, it's a marker mo- a moment. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to do a quiet little, quiet, I'm going to do a little intro okay. and then we'll just go on. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. I am Alan Zaki, your host. On this week's episode, we have incredibly talented makeup artist, Nicole Whitman. <laughs> you can talk. What's up? Well, you tell me to be quiet and I'm I'm you're, listening. You're quiet. You, that's great. I'm Active trying listening. to, yeah. I'm, I like it. I yeah. like it. It's the new me. It's the new me. Post-COVID me. Post-COVID me. I got a baby. I got a house. I am living my best life. Yes. Yes. So, Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, oh. Oh, yes, that ASMR. I just, mmm, yeah. delicious. Here, we're going to open, here, I'll open mine as well. Yeah. We got, um, this is not a plug to get any sort of money for this podcast, but we have a Voodoo Ranger <laughs> New Belgian Beer, a Juicy Haze IPA because it's Cinco de Drinco. Cinco de Drinco. Cheers, Cheers. to that. <laughs> okay, perfect. Mm. Delicious. <sighs> Yeah. People are going to kill us. So anyways, it. thank you so much uh, for being on the podcast today. But to kick things off, uh, we want to have some background about you. So if you can kind of tell us where you're born and raised. Yeah. Jump um, right in. I was born and raised in Las Vegas. It's very nice to meet you as well. I know we're not a lot of us. Um, <laughs> but and then when I was about, I think, six, we moved to Sacramento, which you and I have had this conversation. Yeah. Um, and then I was there from six until 12 and then back um, in Vegas from 12 until 21 where I was like, get me out of here, mm. which I feel like is a weird thing for someone at 21 to say, get me out of Vegas. Right. But I, I had done it all. Right. You know, and I sound like an old person because all of the things in Vegas were amazing. Like the pool parties were kicking off. All of it was great. Now people sit on their phones, like the clubs aren't as great. Right. Maybe it's just me, old me. What is that experience like though, growing up in Vegas? Because I think, you know, everyone thinks of it as like Sin City. And so it's like the place to go when you are 21. But, you know, living there, I'm sure is a completely different experience. I have family that lives there now, but, you know, it's very suburban, which I think a lot of people don't see because they yeah. just see the strip. But growing up there, was were you just like into every kind of bad thing? and Or were you just like living your best suburban life? Uh, you know, what's weird is like, everyone's like, did you grow up in a hotel? And I'm like, have you ever been to Vegas? There's literally like did you grow up in a hotel. But what's actually funny is I I did spend. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> she like actually I did grow up at the Bates Motel. You can't don't believe be it. stupid. But yes, <laughs> I did live in a hotel. We did live in a hotel when I first moved there when I was like in eighth grade or something because our house wasn't ready yet. And so yeah, I lived. It was Boomtown, which now it is. I forget what it's called. <laughs> Sorry. Little chica dog. She's just trying to be in the but podcast. Yeah, so, so I did. Yeah. Everyone's trying to get in. Um, but yeah, so I did live in a hotel for one month um, mm. and then our house was ready. So then we lived in a normal house. Um, but yeah, it was very different growing up in Vegas. And I didn't realize that I think until I left there and lived, I moved to New York when I was 21 mm. and Realizing that people didn't underage drink as much as we did or um, underage club Mm -hmm. or, you know, like those kinds of things. And we weren't bad kids by any means. Um, We were just a little illegal at points. I love that. A little illegal. I had a fake ID that said I was 25. Wow. That's a jump. 
right? At 16? Uh, no, probably more like 18. Okay. And her last name was horrendous to spell. Oh, no. And back then, they couldn't scan the ID, so they right. asked you how to spell the last name or your birth sign. Oh, no. Now kids, like, I mean, they're great today. You know, they get the fake IDs that scan and, yeah. you know, whatever. But yeah, they're that like, was... I have a barcode and I have an app for that. Here you go. Yeah, exactly. Like, fine. And kids these days look like they're 21 when they're 18 anyway. It's so true. that was not my luck. <laughs> that's so awesome so you said you went to new york and was that for you just wanted to get out of vegas obviously but what was like the me the means for you to go to new york um god i hate giving him any sort of credit um but it was a, a guy i was dating at the time mm-hmm. um and he got a job in new york and i was just finishing up college and i was like i don't think i want to live in new york you know um But then I did. And I'm so happy that I went. And I mean, I broke up with him shortly after getting there because I I'm going to admit this, I guess I did use him to get to New York. Got it. Because then once I realized that I wanted to be there, I was like, oh, okay. well, let me just, you know, get to New York and get my bearings straight and then I can, you know, move on. Yeah. No, I mean, you know what? I think at a young age like that, you have to do whatever you have to do in order right. to get ahead, right? And yeah. I mean, to move across the the country and go to a city like New York, which is hustling and bustling, which is not what Vegas, I mean, yes, it is, yeah. but um, different hi- type of hustle and bustle. Um, yeah, you kind of have to figure out how the heck you're going to get there and the best means to do it. So yeah. that makes sense. And I wouldn't take it back for anything. Like, I mean, he was a great person for that time in my life. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I was very fortunate that I was able to, you know, do that. And, and it's funny because when we broke up, my parents were like, great. So you're coming home. And I was like, no, Mm. I'm not coming back to Vegas. How long were you in uh, New York for? Uh, Like a little over three years. Got it. And you said you went to college. Was that for like makeup or was that, what were you doing (laughs) before you went to to New York? Um, No, I was a criminal justice major um, with Japanese and communications minor. I mean, international. Konnichiwa. What? Konnichiwa. Watashiwa. Nicole Tess. Hi. I know I don't look smart, but I was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you guys can't see me. I look smart. (laughs) They'll see your beautiful face in the pictures we send them. Okay. (laughs) So, wow. Okay. So criminal justice and Japanese as a minor. What, what was your plan with that going to uh, New York? Um, Well, what's funny is I loved criminal justice um, and I I never wanted a job in it because I didn't like any of the jobs. Like I didn't want to be a cop. Mm. I didn't want to, you know, do like forensic science or like, you know, CIA or things that were associated with it. Um, I wanted to do entertainment law at some point, which is great for UNLV. UNLV was where I went to college and they have a great like entertainment law program. Um, And so I was, I guess, leaning towards that. And then I got a job at MAC Cosmetics, which is like, I never was a makeup artist. Um, And I used to shop at MAC all the time with my mother, Mm -hmm. but like never had picked up a single. And I started out there as a cashier at the Caesars Palace. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure that experience, you saw all kinds of things working at that MAC. We could have a whole podcast on the things I've seen in Caesars Palace alone. From Holy. years like 19 to, you know, 21. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that whole city in general, the things you see and the people you meet are just 
wild. You, yeah. you don't think it's real life. You're like, am I tripping or are you tripping or are we both tripping? I don't well, know. And that's what's crazy. Everyone's always like, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And I was like, no, um, no. it goes home to your wife. Like, yes. please don't say that. And yes. I stay here. Yeah. Like, and I clean up your mess. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Or like, or my heart's broken or, you know, whatever, because you decided to, you know, think that Vegas isn't part of the planet and you just think whatever you can come and do here and then you go home and your wife's like, oh, it was in Vegas? Sure, fine. Like, yeah, look no. the other way. No, <laughs> not the case. I know that's their slogan, but the reality is that, you know, it's a normal day-to-day life for a lot of people that live in Las Vegas. Well, what's crazy too is Vegas actually used to be um, geared towards kids and families. When I was um, like real young there, it was like the Circus Circus, the right. Sahara, right. the Excalibur, right. all of those were geared towards having families come. So yeah. I saw the change of it being like a family place into a heathen. Yeah. An adult <laughs> playground. Ex- yeah, that's but luckily I was growing with it. You know, we yeah. evolved together, Vegas and I. There we go. <laughs> like sisters together. Yeah. Las Vegas and I grew up together grew on up the together. hot streets and <laughs> went from childhood circus circus to just a heathen in the streets. Yeah. I to Caesar's it. Palace, you know. Yeah. So. Okay, so it sounds like you went and worked at Mac in Vegas, Mm -hmm. but then ultimately went to New York. Did you then get a job at another Mac store or were you working in makeup when you went to New York? Yes. So I started out as the cashier when I was at the Mac in Vegas. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was like, oh, I really like this. Um, And so I then got promoted to a makeup artist probably like a year and a half. Sorry. (laughs) That does that to you. That voodoo ranger. Ugh. Thank God this is just audio. So yeah, so I so I was a cashier and then I got promoted to a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. Um and the pro store was great. Like everyone there was such an artist. And so I learned basically like everything I know, you know, from that short period of time because I feel like they don't create like that anymore. Like the the people that were teaching me and all my mentors that were working there were all like very true artists. Mm-hmm. Um and I like learned to body paint and then I like body painted at Studio 54 in Vegas. Wow. So it was like yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um yeah, learning there. And then so I went to New York as a makeup artist and I applied at the Bloomingdale Soho store. Okay. And luckily, you know, a manager, Leslie Peck, shout out, um, <laughs> hired me to be like a third key there. So I went there and kind of continued my career with Mac. You obviously went to New York and mm-hmm. you were working in, you know, Mac Cosmetics and everything, but now you're like a full fledged makeup artist. So where did you kind of make the jump off? Because obviously New York is known for the industry of fashion and mm-hmm. beauty and advertising and editorial, you know, is all really based there. Yeah. So did you start working uh, with other pro makeup artists or did you, were you working on your own book? How did that kind of transition start for you? And yeah. was it even in um, New York or yeah. did you come to LA? It wasn't a jump. It was more of a shove because <laughs> wow, Mac fired me. Mm. Um, and thanks Mac. I honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Because it's like one of those things where I felt like I would have never left had right. they not... <laughs> kicked my ass out I would have never left because you create so much there like and Mac really is a family and I'm still friends with a lot of people who work for the brand and it's really great like because we've all kind of grown up and some people are still with them and like you know some people have moved on so 
yeah, with them, I was kind of, I remember like walking the streets, like, cause I was at Saks Fifth Avenue at that Mac at the time. And I was like in tears being like, what am I going to do now? Hmm. Like Mac has fired me. Like who's going to want me now? Right. You know? So yeah, it just kind of like led into me <laughs> having to struggle and get, um, like some freelance work and some, you know, like I ended up then like getting another job with Dior. And then I just kind of realized that like my talent was being wasted as a, at a counter, hmm. you know, like I felt like I was like a creative person that really needed to expand and, you know, expand my wings, if you will. Yeah. So, yeah. So I kind of then just started freelancing and and Mac gave me a bunch of opportunities like I was able to travel with them I went to well ironically after they fired me um some of the people there still loved me Mm -hmm. and so I actually got jobs doing um Milan Paris um fashion weeks with them so I literally then was on the team again and but now doing fashion shows in you know different countries so it was great like yeah so I felt like that really was like I get that probably was the starting point like I had to take probably about a year and a half away from Mac Hmm. and then like realized I wasn't blacklisted from the people that could hire for the things I wanted and then got back into it and you know kind of started freelancing that way so it's weird they like gave an opportunity to me took it away and then gave me an even better opportunity so yeah mystic how that happens yeah because what a lot of people don't know and maybe you can kind of elaborate on this is that the mac cosmetic stores and like you said the counters if you will at these stores that you purchase the makeup is not all they do obviously so you know doing shows through these big brands like mac you know you're going to paris fashion week you're going to milan fashion week you're doing the faces of all these models and making you know the designs how they want it and everything right yeah, it's, it's almost like you said, you needed that kick in the butt out of Mac to like find out that like, oh, you have the talent and the ability to do what you want to do. That right. doesn't mean I have to sell, you know, another compact. I can't even talk. Yeah. Another lipstick or something oh, God, to another person. Yeah. And, you know, then be like, great. Thank you so much. Bye. You know, yeah. but rather, no, I'm going to, you know, make amazing art on these on these models faces and create work that actually matters and has like importance to me yeah and make you know whoever's fired me want me back you know there you go it's like a relationship if you will yeah i'm gonna make you sad you ever left me yeah that boyfriend that took you to new york i yeah. just used you I to get him. there ew yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> that's so good I was like, ew don't twist that no i loved him yes for the record yeah. whoever you are out there yeah stuck in wherever you're at so <laughs> Uh, beyond just the struggle of, you know, being fired, uh, what other struggles have you really had to go through in this industry that have really helped to um, helped you to become more creative in your fields of makeup artistry? God, I thought you said we only have an hour. Whoa. Sorry. The door's open and we're living our best life. I, know, okay. I actually hear the birds chirping and I was like, this is going to be very sweet. <laughs> it's going to sound like angelic. Yeah, I mean... I don't, I'm going to be, I don't think I'm out of struggling. You know, I feel like as an artist, we, we always are kind of struggling and not in necessarily like a bad way. You know, I'm not like, you know, struggling to. Here comes Bambino. Unbelievable. 
We're we're taping a goddamn recording. We're filming a podcast. Yes, we're filming a podcast on Can't audio only. Can't you see? God, I know. I should have moved to a nicer neighborhood where p- people don't <laughs> ha- have cars you can't hear anymore. You know? Yes. If you don't drive a Prius yeah. that has yeah. is all electric or a little bit of gas, then you can't live here. Sorry. <laughs> just a plug, you know, yeah, for Yeah, just Prius. a plug away. Get yourself a Prius. Live in a nice neighborhood. Get yourself a Prius. No, what's the new one? Tesla. Yeah, there a Tesla. Go. Oh my gosh, they're everywhere. Wait, oh God. It's a whole I, I know. Way. And I'm going to get ran over for the first time in my life because I can't hear cars coming. <laughs> Especially with these headphones on. <laughs> I got headphones on and like... I have a baby I and headphones <laughs> and I don't hear your car and all of a sudden you ran me over at 100 miles an hour. Thank you, Tesla. <laughs> Was I walking on the freeway? <laughs> no, because they just drive like that on the regular streets. I see, yeah. yeah. It's a very fast car. I don't know it's, if you've been in one or not. <laughs> it drives itself. Uh, so I never went in it. I had it run an errand for me. Fabulous. <laughs> hey, Tesla, go get the groceries. Yes. Um, okay, so we went hey, on Hey, Siri, com- go get the groceries. <laughs> Soon enough. Don't, don't play because Apple will be, li- uh, they are listening and she will try to figure out how to will. do that for you. Um. Yeah, so struggling. Yes. I, yeah, like I said, I feel like I'm still like in different parts now. It's a different struggle. Like in New York, it was like struggling to find people who would hire me Mm -hmm. um, and struggling to like put my book together and struggling to like, you know, eat. And now it's like struggling kind of, I guess, more and like getting the clients that I want to work with and, you know, like, and more so like building my book to where I feel it's more of like, I guess I'm battling with myself and making myself better. It's not like a struggle like it used to. So but I mean, there's still times where it's like, you know, you start doubting yourself, especially like when COVID hit, you're just like, what am I going to do now? Right. You know, because you start thinking if this is sustainable and if it's going to last through a pandemic, you know, because what we do is um, extra, you know, it's not, no one's dying. I We're mean, not essential workers. There we go. Yeah. I feel essential. But I mean, I do too, but yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. In the reality of things, it's not considered essential work. Right. And it's not like, like we're a luxury. That's yes. what, well, like what Ooh, we, I like that. Yeah. We're luxurious. Yeah. We're, we're a Tesla, yes. you know, and we're quiet. Um, <laughs> but you know, yeah. So it's just like when you start realizing that it's kind of that easy, like it was one day I'm working the next day I'm not. And it's almost like, but like, am I going to work? Because they're saying no, mm-hmm. you know, and then each month that goes by, you're like, should I, like, I started looking up jobs of like Mm. and I was like well what can you do you're an artist Mm. and like all the things that are thriving are corporate right and my mouth won't let me in a corporate door like (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I mean it yeah so I again like I struggled and then but the thing is it's like I feel like I never give up I don't give up on the industry and I don't give up on myself and I just there's something in me that's telling me that like this is where I should be at yeah so I just keep trying. No, absolutely. I think, yeah, you have to have that type of perseverance and never give up spirit in order to stay in this industry. Because like you said, we're luxury, you know, and I don't know why I said it like that. We're we're luxurious people. We're the Tesla of of industry, if you will, because it's a luxury to be able to do what we do. Right. Right. Um, if you can kind of explain just for the listeners, you kept on saying that, you know, building your book, what does your book mean in the sense of what you do? Um, well, it could easily be erased these days (laughs) because it's on, it's on the web. Um, I do still have a physical book though. Um, I should bring it out and show it to you of all my like 
it's crazy to like kind of look at the last, you know, God, I feel like I've been doing this. I think it's like 18 years or something. So I had a physical book because when I was in New York, mm-hmm. that's what you took around. You took your book. And I've even thought like out here, like printing my pictures and taking it, my book back in because no one's doing that. Right. And I thought that would set me apart, you know, and I should, I should really do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't yet, but maybe one day, you know, it's like, I just feel like kind of bringing back some of that like nostalgia and, you know, because there's so many artists out here mm-hmm. um, and there's so many great artists and, you know, you're constantly competing and, but finding out what makes you stand out or makes you like people want to hire you, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think there's something to be said about someone who still like hits the pavement and goes and gets clients. Like I'm constantly still reaching out to people and being like, Hey, this is what I do. Hire me, you know, because we need to like, and I do it all myself, which is, you know, I thought maybe I didn't want to do it myself, but for now I do want to do it myself. I like, I like where I've gone and I like to see that I've done that. So for now, I guess I'll just keep doing it myself. Nice. Yeah, I think that the printed image and seeing so your book being like your portfolio of all the work that you've created. Yeah. Um, it is something unique. You know, there's something special about having something tangible in your hands and being able to see the physical work that you've created and also all the detail. You know, I think yeah. that we're so consumed by our phones, our tablets, you know, computers and just looking at all these images on the screen constantly, but being able to physically see it and look at it and go, wow, like this is quality work that you've right. done that hasn't, you know, been overly retouched or, you know, blurred or changed or whatever. And you can't really tell because it's a small digital file, but, right. you know, really being able to see that like, wow, you, you do incredible work. And that's, what's crazy is I feel like when I send my photos, I don't know what they're getting. Like the, right. the result. Yeah, the resolution. resolution. Yep. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, I don't know the resolution that they're getting. So I'm kind of like, what if they like, what if they're like, I'm not hiring this girl? Like, what is this shit? You right. know? So, I mean, yeah, I feel like also like, especially now, I mean, obviously people are scared to be around other people, but um, <laughs> there's something said to, you know, like getting in someone's like space and, mm-hmm. you know, like letting them know that you're there and not being scared to be like, you know, like we hide behind internet and computers Mm -hmm. so much and like i think there's something to be said about someone who's like bold enough to like this is me i'm actually a person i'm not you know an algorithm or you know yeah when i think so much about our industry is about connections right i don't know about you and i think you would agree that so much of the work that we get is based on referral Mm. and the people knowing us and trusting us to to hire us right and even if it's client that may not know you the word of a referral from another artist or another person that you've worked with goes a lot longer or right. further, I think, than necessarily just getting an email or a blast. Like you like you said, showing up at someone's door with your book and saying, yeah. hey, I would really love to like have five minutes of your time to be able to show you it, you know, and hopefully we're able to work together kind of goes further than I shot you an email with a thousand other emails you're getting throughout right. the day to hopefully you'll even open it. And like you said, you don't even know what the quality or color of it's going to even look like on their screen, their phone, their, you know, whatever they're looking at. Or it's easy to just disregard it. Like right. as soon as they open it, like you can't disregard me if I'm in front of you. I mean, <laughs> exactly. you can, but that's rude. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah. And that's how we're friends is yeah. like, got we met on a set mm-hmm. so long ago and we've done so much work together just from like building a, it was like 
two was it two three days on a set like you know what I mean and then since then it's just like so yeah I feel like I don't ever take that for granted I don't take for granted being on a set and being able to like almost network even while I'm working or make connections with people that are just long lasting and sincere yeah you know because this industry isn't you know so much like that yeah well, and it's also, it's it's such a large industry. Yes, mm. and like you said, there's a ton of artists, especially now with, you know, the digital revolution of content, but it is also extremely small in that you can literally throw a stone mm. and the person that was the production assistant on this job you did is now, you know, the director of photography or like, you know, just won a freaking, you know, Oscar for a new film. And you're like, wait, what? You yeah. know, it's, it's, it is that small in that regard. So I think, yeah, making those connections on sets, you never know where it's going to lead you to. So I think, I don't know about you, but I think treating people with kindness, no matter what their job is on set is really crucial as well, because you're still building those relationships and your reputation is like everything. And there's so many like PAs who are now doing like, because in our industry, like that's kind of the starting ground. That's where you have to start as like a PA if you want to do anything. And, and I do like, there's a lot to be said about people who, do every job in the industry before they get to like being director or because then they know and I you can tell those sets because they're run better mm-hmm. and so you can kind of like and those people you know are respectful of everyone because they've been in like everyone's shoes and mm-hmm. they've tried it and been like oh god that sucks you know so like yeah even the people who make our food I'm like thank you or like who take our trash like yep. you know if someone's coming in my room and emptying my trash I'm like thank you because you know without any of these people I'm like a mess yeah so absolutely yeah so with all that being said um yeah. you know and it sounds like you've you know, done a lot of work in New York in a very fast paced city. What has kind of, what have you found to be your greatest strength and also your greatest weakness while working as like a makeup artist? Mm, oh, this feels like an interview question. I know it, it does feel like that, doesn't it? Well, and you're just like, you know, like when you get interviewed and people are like, what's your weakness? And you're like, I don't have any. <laughs> Next check. Thank you so much for coming in. Have a wonderful day. My greatest weakness is being too kind. You know, wow. that, that's the interview <laughs> response we're looking for. Thank you. Um, OK, so. Yeah, I feel like. My strengths would be. Hmm, it's a good one. You couldn't prep me before, like send me an email. Nope. OK. Yeah, this is. Yeah, I was going to say this is all spontaneous. I haven't been given any of the questions. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like building actually relationships is quite, um, a strong point for me. Um, and being able to be adaptable and not, you know, like, oh, like I only have one way of working, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like everyone is kind of there together creating something. And so I'm quite, um, open and like, you know, if you're like, hey, Nicole, this isn't working. Okay, let's change it. It's just makeup. It comes off. I'm not going to cry about it. I have a zillion other ideas. We can sort this out, you know? So it's kind of like, yeah, being able to roll with whatever it is. Because there's a lot of times where you get a mood board and kind of prepped for a job. And then 
people are like, you know, either the model shows up or it's a different model or, you know, they couldn't get something. So now, you know, everything's kind of changed. So I feel like being able to kind of just like be like, all right, things have changed. What other ideas do I have? You know, and like, how can I, you know, work with what I'm now presented with? Mm-hmm. A weakness would probably be calling people back. No, um, <laughs> not keeping in touch on my days off. Um, it happens. You know, is a, not wanting to drive to your side of town. That's a. <laughs> Hello, LA. Seriously, though. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, you know, I think a weakness is that sometimes I doubt myself and I have spent COVID months working on that. Like, I know a lot of people have seen COVID negatively and there has been a lot of, you know, crappy parts about COVID and I don't want to take away from that. But I also think that like I've thrived in some parts of COVID um, and it's also allowed me to take time to rethink my game plan, you know, so as crappy as it was to like you know lose work and or not work um I had a baby so I was like yeah honestly I switched gears and I was like fine I can hang out with my baby you mm. know and I feel very fortunate that I did have something to fill my time so I didn't you know start doubting myself and my career because at the beginning I was you mm. know and so I feel like I'm working on that I'm working on not um if a client doesn't call me back immediately or like use me for their very next job it's not that i'm shit right it's that they don't know what they're missing yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. you know or it's just it happens you know everyone you, everyone knows a makeup artist everyone knows a hairstylist everyone has a friend or everyone knows a photographer everyone everyone is a photographer hey so you know what i mean like everyone has friends and so it's like things just happen yep and not taking that as like my own self-worth mm-hmm. you know so yeah i'm I'm growing, I hope. <laughs> yeah. No, that's huge, though. I think not getting caught up in the idea that, like you said, someone didn't call me, someone didn't hire me, and thinking that, like, oh, I'm, I must be lesser now because of that, mm. rather saying, you know what? They chose someone else to work with. That's great. Yep. But I know my worth, and I know that they'll come back to me in due time, and we're just going to keep moving forward as well. You yeah. Know? Or I'll get something else, and right. I'll be like, ah, oh, that's why I couldn't – like, that's why I didn't get that job is because something else came. And it's like I feel like if you – if you're quiet enough, you'll hear why you didn't get the job and like, or you'll see, right. you know what I mean? So it's kind of like if you pay attention enough to the world and what's going on, you'll realize that like, oh, I didn't get this because I got this now. Or like, I didn't need that actually. I thought I needed it and I thought I really wanted it right. and I don't, I didn't need it, you know? So, but it's a hard, it's hard to stay there, you know? So I'm constantly like in and out of there. Yeah. When I think, like you said, having so much time with yourself and your own thoughts, especially as a freelance creative, it's easy to get caught up in it and go, oh my God, like constantly thinking like, am I ever going to work again? Like you said, like looking for a job, like do I need to go work in corporate America now because I'm not, I die. (laughs) No, but (laughs) that's a good ass corn dog. Let's just be real. And the lemon, when I was pregnant, I had that lemonade daily. Thank you. Hot dog on a stick for staying open. She's just working on creating sponsors for this <laughs> podcast and I'm living for it. I'm Thank plugging you. all of my favorites. Right? She's like, listen, this is the drink. This is the tea. This is what you need. A hot dog on a stick. 
Yikes. Send me a Tesla. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Give us the cars. Elon, we will dance with you like cuckoo people. Just give me a Tesla. I need an X. I'll name my, yeah, I'll name my kid after a planet. Exactly. Or whatever you want it to be. Yeah. I'll call it a Tesla Y. I don't care. Yeah, I'll just why? call my baby Y. Why? why? <laughs> Come, I, honestly, I constantly am asking, why, why are you doing that? So I might as well just change your name. Sign us up. We're here for it. <laughs> uh, has there been, um, you know, like you said, in the span of your career so far, which sounds like you're seasoned, yeah. I was about to say actress, you're seasoned makeup artist, which is amazing. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. <laughs> We all have to act a little in this yeah. industry. No, but has there been a moment uh, in your career that you felt like, wow, I've really made it in a goal or something that you've achieved that like really, you know, kind of brought you joy or maybe brought something out and you're like, I've been working so hard and this moment was kind of like, wow, I kind of have accomplished something that's yeah. worth my while. And that's been happening recently, which is like great you know and I think too we're we're very hard on ourselves so I feel like I'm gonna probably mention things that have happened more recently that like I'm very proud of and I feel like I've made it but there's other things along the way like you know I've been London Milan Paris for fashion week that's making it you know some people never do that yeah so I feel like yeah I have like recent my most recent one was when I got an email from Gucci and I was just like dead uh, yes. Deceased. Yeah. Can't even. And um, the artist I've been working with is just like she was doing a shoot with them. And so they reached out and they're like, hey, she said you're her artist. We're shooting her. And I was like, uh, OK. You know, so I was just like, oh, my God. Um, so that was like very exciting. And then they, you know, sent me makeup to use for her. So I was just like, yes. The other um, like big moment for me recently was the artist I was working with Phoebe went to the Grammys Mm -hmm. and um, I was obviously over at her house getting her ready and we're not allowed to go with for these Grammys because you know COVID Um, so I went home and I was like what am I supposed to do with myself I had such an amazing like you know day getting her ready and then about like 8 p.m. I get a text from Vanity Fair and they were like, hey, um, we want to ask you some questions because we're going to post, you know, the makeup look for Phoebe Bridgers in our magazine. Do you have time to talk? And I was like, uh, yes. yeah, I like look at my husband and I was like, Vanity Fair wants to talk to me. And I was just like, you know, it's like one of those things where you're just like, <gasps> you know, and I felt so grateful. Like, I'm so grateful to be working with Phoebe. I don't take that for granted for a second. And I'm so happy that she chooses me every time that she does, you know, and everything that I've kind of gotten along with that, I'm like, you know, grateful for. So it's kind of like I was waiting for my person, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean, to like come along and we're like collaborate together and, you know, really work together. And it's not ever like I don't know yeah we just get along really well we have similar like views and I just really enjoy working for her and like yeah so I just am excited to just continue our journey and see where that goes and not taking it like she can choose another artist at any time Mm -hmm. and she has worked with other artists and I'm not like upset with that like you know I want her to experience other artists you know so it's all you know, it comes back. And if it's meant, if it was only meant for me to, you know, work with her, well, now it's been a year. So it's like, you know, two years or a year and a half or whatever, then it's kind of like something else will come in its place. And that was our time. And, you know, 
yeah. I got a lot of great things out of it. So yeah. Talking about that bond that you have, um, you know, with clients and the work that you do is so interpersonal because mm. you're obviously painting and working on the person's face. Has that kind of, has that collaborative effort really made it so that you have to be like a really outgoing people person or do you find yourself to be, you know, obviously I don't think you'd get along with every single person you work with, but a matter of, you know, there's a certain level of understanding I think you have to have with every client that you work with. Right. So how do you kind of go about that, especially working with someone new or that is like a client that you've maybe never worked with? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That I think has to go with the adaptability because not everyone is going to love me, my personality, like my real personality or my work. And but I feel like it's about reading the energy of that person or the room of that person. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like they're my boss, you know what I mean? So I have to, you know, respect that. I mean, we are creating you know, together. And it's nice when you feel like you have like, you know, uh, a friend that you're kind of working with. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, it's, it's still work, you know? And so just being able to recognize that person's energy or feeling and being like, oh, okay, like today I can be a little bit more silly or funny because they feed off of that. Um, If they, you know, have had kind of like if they're, you know, reading lines or, you know, have to be in a serious space, then I'm not going to create a joking space. You know, it's like I'm then going to be a bit more serious, you know. So I feel like it would probably be funny to get everyone I worked with in a room because they wouldn't, no one would say I'm probably the same, you know. I mean, a lot of them would, but I'm saying like there's just times where you have to be like calm, collected and quiet or, Mm -hmm. you know, funny or, you know, so it's kind of just like finding that vibe and but I I think that's why I like working with Phoebe is because I am my true self and like we can you know talk and we have conversations about the looks it's not just like you're the artist create you know Mm -hmm. because sometimes she has ideas obviously as well she's also an artist so it's just very much like a lot of people think it's like it's your job to create and it's like well it's my job also to like understand what they're looking for not everyone's looking for like this big aha creative moment you know yeah which you know i always love yes a good <laughs> aha creative moment indeed, indeed which i always force you to do with me i love it yeah. <laughs> always push the buttons and yeah we have such fun time on set but i think you tap into something that is maybe not as well known by people that you know are listening to this podcast that maybe not be in may not be in this industry mm. but it is such a collaborative effort to create the work that we do, whether that's for print or video or a red carpet, an award show, whatever, that everyone has to really put the efforts in together in order to create the final product. And that it's not just like the artist, the photographer, the makeup, the whatever, but like without all of those things, you really don't, you don't get that end result. Yeah. And you can tell when the energy has been off, you know, some photographs you might look at and it's not the photographer's fault. You know what I mean? It's just like, maybe they all didn't get along Mm -hmm. you know and so um and you can tell when there's like these amazing photographs and that's why people pick 
their teams time and time again is because they've created gold and you know it's an image that like takes you somewhere or that reminds you of something or makes you feel something and like that's the kind of work that I like doing it's not always what I get to do you know um but that's the work I like strive to be constantly doing is where people see an image and it's timeless or it makes them feel something you know um and it's not just like oh that's a model you know and she's gorgeous and that's gorgeous and like you know what i mean it's just like i want there to be some sort of like feeling which is like i said it's not always what i get to do but if i could i would i would do that stuff you know day in day out yeah you said you mentioned earlier about your book and everything and kind of like oh i should bring it out so we could see kind of the collection of work that you've created over like 18 years yeah. but do you find yourself now because you have, you know, done so many different projects at a very kind of high level of quality, if you will, hmm. do you find yourself only wanting to do those types of jobs or do you still get a creative juice and flow and excitement doing, say, like a test shoot or doing something that's for your book or doing something that's maybe just like popped into your head or a creative concept that you've created? Do you get the same type of joy out of that type of work or do you still do that type of work compared Mm. to that of you know doing you know a vanity fair shoot or you know who what where or whatever it may be yeah um yeah I I'll always test I still test um I don't need to get paid to do what I love like Mm. yes it's nice um but a lot of the paying jobs are not always your bread and butter or what goes in your book right like a lot of my paying jobs too like my people might not see because it's a great paying job but it's like for me yeah I like being creative and so you probably see most of my test shoots going up because that's where I have a lot of fun and like that is where we get the feelings from other people you know and like being able to create with a team and then see a final result is just as rewarding, whether we've made money or not. You mm-hmm. know, obviously, of course, it's nice to make money, yeah. but we don't always need to make money to feel like fulfilled. And I, I think that like it's that's easier to say now that I make, <laughs> I make money, you know, because when you are struggling, you're kind of like, Ugh, I, I'm not going to go out unless it's unless they pay me. Right. You know, and now I'm kind of like, yeah let's test shoot or like, let's play around or like, you know, can my baby come? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Frankie needs to be on set or else I'm not getting up. It's like the opposite. It's I'm not waking up unless I get $10,000. I'm not waking up and working unless Frankie comes along with me. I'm not waking up the baby. There we go. You know, but yeah, I mean, she, she is modeling. If you guys are looking, um, she's already had one modeling gig. Amazing. Um, yeah. So I did actually, one of the shoots I was on, um, I brought her with me because they needed a baby model as well. So it was funny. I have a picture up, I think it's on my Instagram of me holding her. She has a brush in her hand. I'm working on the model. And like, honestly, I, I think that women should know that like, that's okay. And the first person I ever saw bring their baby on set was Alex Box. Mm. And I was working backstage on a fashion show, I think in Paris, and her baby was strapped to her. And she was busting out models. And like that really inspired me because, wow. you know, a lot of women in the industry are like, how am I going to be a mom and a freelance artist? Or how am I going to juggle, you know, doing this? And it's like, I don't like, 
it should you should feel okay like I didn't feel that I would love to bring my baby to work and if it's appropriate like I will you know because and I want her to know that too like that's a special thing for Frankie to you know be with me while I'm working and know that like this might be a new path that we're paving and and women shouldn't be afraid to like have a baby and want to work yeah and we shouldn't be shut out of a workplace because we've done that you know so yeah, I mean, I'll try to bring her as, you know. So if anyone's looking for a mom and baby duo. Yes, <laughs> I can do makeup and I have a child. You want both. We're fast because I do the eyes and she does the lips because we're at. I live. I just, <laughs> I strap her to me and she's, she's really. She's, she's good with uh, a lip pencil. Oh my God. I love the it. Best, yeah. A good outline and then you just fill in with a quick little lipstick yeah. and call it good. Done. Slap a gloss in there. We out. Yeah. And she's COVID friendly because apparently kids don't get it. So Ta-da. no need to test her. I love it. I love it. No <laughs> expense there. So um, obviously you've had so much change in this last year, having Frankie and going through COVID and you have a gorgeous home now and everything. So, you know, looking back on, you know, your career and everything, what uh, brings you the most happiness now compared to when maybe you started out in, you know, Vegas and then New York and then, you know, coming to LA? Yeah. Um, happiness now, I guess, is just being able to um, work and choose the clients that I want to. Um, I've spent a long road trying to be able to, <laughs> it sounds crappy, turn people down that aren't what I feel, you know what I mean? Cause like, I'm not just like, you can't just pay me off to work, mm-hmm. you know? And so being able to say, Hey, I, that's not like in my realm of like things that I believe or this company isn't for me, you know, it's like, I feel like that has brought me a lot of joy being able to say yes to a lot of clients, but then maybe say no, if I, ethically think that something isn't right or if I know please don't get mad at me if I didn't know someone was being ethically um you know correct but like yeah I feel like that brings me a lot of you know happiness being able to to do that and not second guess it like second guess my thought or second guess why I've made that decision Hmm. you know and I feel like a lot of being a freelance artist is not just career-based it's life-based like I feel like you know it's the same thing with when you're meeting people or you're dating or like you know I, it took me a long time to find my husband and have a baby you know mm-hmm. I'm you know, gotta be 37 so and I met my husband at like 32 mm. so I've never really settled you know and I think just being able to do that is a privilege you know it's not always easy and it's not like it doesn't always make you feel good to like do that. But yeah. yeah. Do you feel like a lot of your happiness when you were starting out was derived from just being able to work and make money versus now it's really, yeah. like you said, you are able to pick and choose who you want to work with based on your own preferences and the the clients and your own, your own availability. Yeah. it Yeah. A lot of my happiness from the very beginning was like, did I have a, like, it was basically I wrote down, people I wanted to work with or jobs I wanted to be a part of and then you fulfill that and you kind of check it off the list and then I feel like you never think about it again and it's Mm. kind of like sad you know because it's something that maybe you should be a bit more grateful are that you 
wrote something down on a list and you were able to check, check it, it off, off yeah. you know? And I feel like it's just so much of the beginning of my career was just like, okay, what's the next job? Okay, like I'm looking for the next best thing. Like I need to be, I need to do that. I'm not happy unless, you know, I do this. Mm. And then you do that and you're, you build something else. So you're not even happy when you do that, you know? So it's like taking that step back and being like, shit, just be thankful. Like, yeah, for some of the things that I already have done, even if I, you know, it wasn't necessarily, you know, my proudest thing that I've ever done. It's like, well, yeah, but be grateful that you can do that because so many people have nine to fives and they can't freelance or, you know, they're scared to freelance and, just it, it takes a different mindset to not be scared to freelance yeah which i mean i was scared yeah. for a very long time <laughs> that fear is there <laughs> but you you touch on the next point which is you know what is kind of your work ethic like uh you know being creative obviously isn't an easy task and there is kind of this fear of, of the unknown uh but what does it take for you to really do your work that you do you know what i think deep down i i know this is what I love doing. Mm. I don't feel like I'm working. Even if it's a job that I've kind of taken where I'm like, okay, well, it's going to, you know, pay the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, I never am upset to be there. I, In the beginning, I felt like I was. And I really had to change my attitude because it's like, if you're going to say yes to a job, do not be a Debbie Downer mm. because you know, you said yes, you're there. Right. So be happy, mm-hmm. you know, and that takes <laughs> a lot of, you know, time and patience to do. So I just have like been like, if you've said yes to a job, you are happy to be there. You're excited. And I just started looking at it as like opportunities. Like when you step on set, you know, you don't know everyone. There might be 20 to 50 people brand new that you've never met before. Yeah. And that's a lot of new people that you can befriend and you know like maybe create something cool with so i mean again that is literally how you and i met we were on a jimmy choo set yes i was being obnoxious and i was being a a production assistant bitch (laughs) yeah you remember being at the hotel after working and drinking and like i was getting carried away that the artist that i was assisting was like you're a bit much and i was like okay yeah I appreciated her for telling me, though, because yeah. I was new then. Yeah. And I just, I didn't, I mean, I should have known better that getting <laughs> drunk isn't how you should be. It was a crazy shoot, though. I mean, we were in the middle of the desert. I think they had, like, it wasn't, like, in and out. The, I think production went and got, like, 5,000 burgers and fries. And that was, like, our crew dinner. And we're sitting in <laughs> Another this, like. Another plug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In and out. <laughs> anyway, Sorry. <laughs> But no, it's crazy because it was like, and they had alcohol and everything because it was like a wrap dinner and it was kind of like, I think that's. No, this was at the hotel, like after being off of work and it was in the (laughs) middle of nowhere and I was drinking and it was um, the Virgin. We were at the Virgin hangar with. um, That's right. That's right. That's Um, that damn photographer's name. Oh, let's not use names. not call people out on this podcast especially in our industry we want to work more don't yeah, we? You're yes. right. it was a major photographer yes, there was a big name photographer that was shooting and we were yeah. in the the virgin atlantic hangar where they actually had the spaceship yeah actually, the scariest thing was that the week after we did that shoot is when they had that crash and that pilot died yes. on that test 
I was like, what the? Well, I'm just glad we weren't there when it happened. I know. Can you imagine what a disaster that would have been? Oh, my God. Yeah, that was uh, like literally our hotel was in the middle of nowhere. I was on the first floor and scared to sleep because it was like desert and desert and desert. Yes, and I just was just like. Open. <laughs> open. Yeah, I think I'm confusing another. I'm confusing a shoot in another desert yeah. that I did with um, Vogue magazine. And we were at this. And that's when they went and got us. In and out. That's what a hamburger. Anyways, is that their slogan? That's what a hamburger is all about. No, that's probably another. (laughs) Well, fuck. There goes our in and out. There goes our sponsor on that one. (laughs) Shite madite. Okay. So, anyways, yeah. But we met on that Jimmy Choo shoot, and that was nuts. Um, I remember that we shot here in like Hollywood, and I was in charge of driving the huge production truck. And it was probably one of my first or second jobs with that production company. And I remember I bottomed out the truck at the bo- the base of uh, this this home that we shot in the Hollywood Hills. And I freaked out. Everyone had left me. I was the last person to leave to go out to – we weren't shooting in Palmdale. We were shooting in like – I felt like we were in Arizona, wherever yeah. the Atlantic, Virgin Atlantic thing was at. Yeah. And I was freaking out. It was like a two-hour drive. I think we didn't wrap until – Late. You know, like 10. And yeah. then I had to drive straight there. I was still on the clock. So we're like in triple overtime at this point. Yeah. And yeah, we, we got out there. And then we really, really clicked, though, when we were at the hangar and doing that crazy shoot. Yeah. Which we won't mention the people on set there. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's really kind of where we made the connection. And then I think, I want to say a few months later, we connected outside of those jobs. Yeah. And we're able to start working on creative projects together. I don't remember how we connected after that. I think, but I'm sure it was like Instagram, you know, some way. I, mean, I think we just good. connected via like text or something like that. And then I had said like, oh, I we should get together. You. What was that? I paged you. Yes. You paid. Yes. <laughs> she actually sent a, a pigeon carrier bird and was like, yeah. go, here's your letter. Here, yeah. Please write me back. I wrote it on a scroll. Not a scroll. Yeah. I can't. That's so good. Papyrus paper. Pa- papyrus. Papyrus. We don't like Get your cards up. <laughs> We don't like plosives because there's too many peas for pickled peppers in the pickety pack. Get your um, all your Mother's Day cards at Papyrus. They have excellent cards. Wow. She is a spokesperson waiting to be <laughs> hired. So if you know someone that needs a wonderful spokesperson, please call 1-800-NICOLE. Is it Whitman now or McGuire? It's McGuire. Officially. I got married, yeah. Well, I know you got married, but is it also like as an artist, you're now Nicole McGuire? It's so funny because recently, like in all the magazines, it's <laughs> for like who, what, where, it was Nicole Whitman. And mm-hmm. for um, like Vanity Fair, it was Nicole McGuire. And wow. I was sending them all to my mother-in-law and she's just like, um, you're married now. Like, and I'm like, I know, but I've had a working name. Like it's hard. It's hard. So I'm transitioning, if you will, my name to be McGuire. Got it. I might have to redo this intro then. Cause I think I said Whitman. But oh that's okay. my God. It's okay. Start the tape. Yeah. Start, start over. We've only been yeah. a few minutes in. So <laughs> <laughs> my next question is what's one thing that you've learned about yourself working in the makeup industry? one thing well it doesn't have to be one thing but like something kind of big that you've really learned about yourself while being in this industry and being on multiple coasts and working on so many creative projects and on sets kind of has there been something that you really like wow this is something about myself I really never recognized until doing this that I actually am creative really yeah I feel like I'm kind of the black sheep in my family of creative 
Mm. Everyone is very corporate. And, you know, when I was younger, it was like, you know, you go to college and you get a good job and then you you climb the ladder in that job and you make money and, you know, retire. Mm. Why do I sound like a president? Um, (laughs) Especially with the thumb in the hand. It's very, yeah. yeah, If you could see me. Yeah, I was very. And then you get a good job. Um, And that's kind of like what my parents instilled with me. Like, I never called out when I was sick. Um, because my parents were like, you work hard, you know, and I appreciate that. But now that COVID, I have to call out sick. Um, but yeah, so I, I feel like I was the only one that, um, kind of was a bit like, well, I don't want a nine to five and I want to go create art. I am creative. I, I, and I never thought that maybe because. I just, you know, when I look at my family, because that's obviously who I was raised around, like no one there was like super creative or like in the industry even, Mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah, it was just a thing where I'm like, okay, no, you are creative, Nicole. You can, you know, like think outside of the box and you can create things that move people. And it's not always, you know, your audience doesn't have to be your family. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. and it's a There's tough thing. Millions of people out there that enjoy your work and want to see it. It oh, doesn't have to. Millions of yes. sweets. It's true. Oh. So <laughs> um, that being said, like who has been your biggest uh, support, a supporter or fan uh, that's really helped you keep going through this process of, you know, staying in the industry and working as a makeup artist? Does it sound cheesy to say myself? That's interesting. I wouldn't have. No, I wouldn't have. I don't think it's cheesy. I think I want to know more. Um, Because I like I said, because I felt like, okay, you got to get back up. You've got to kind of figure out you have to make this work because think of what else you what else would you be doing? Is there something else you would want to be doing? And if it's no, then I have to make this work, you know, regardless of how, you know, cruddy it's gonna get or you know how many highs you're gonna have and then lows you're gonna have like I don't think that ever goes away even when you're uber successful you know because it's just it it's all relative isn't it like then your highs and lows change from you know the higher you get in the career you know your highs and lows are just different yeah you know so I thought you were doing another plug for Uber now. I was like, oh, she's not, she wants an Uber company? Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait, no. what was Uber like? No, you said Uber successful. I'm like, oh, oh. I was like, oh, got it. I'm like, Uber? <laughs> I'm like, wow. She's, she and now Tesla a word from our Uber sponsors. This whole podcast is just gonna... sponsorships. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're giving me all those spots. Not just the Spotify anchor spot. I have yeah. everything now, guys. Yeah. I love it. Exactly. So <laughs> speaking of podcasts, um, this podcast was really born out of COVID-19. You know, I think it for myself, it took a lot of time uh, to think and really just figure out what I wanted to do, yeah. kind of like you, what you were sharing. And I really realized that, you know, through our darkest or, you know, most difficult struggles and times is actually where the most like creativity and the drive has to really kind of come out of our own lives. Right. And so the symbolism of the creative Lotus podcast is that the Lotus has the simultaneity of seeding and also blooming at the same time, Mm. but without like the photosynthesis or the transformation of all the crap and gunk underneath the water, it can't bloom and it also wouldn't seed and like reproduce. And so, um, you know, they like grow in mud. 
Exactly. So they from mud. mud. Yeah, from mud to flower. Exactly. Right. So that's me. Exactly. No, so that's really my question is kind of, you know, as a creative, like what does your lotus flower life, if you will, in for whatever term that is, yeah. um, what does that really look like or mean to you um, coming out of COVID and kind of, you know, moving forward? I just really want um, other artists to to have, know that they're not the only ones who struggle, mm. you know, and to know that like we all go through it regardless of where we're at in our career and that that doesn't change our struggle. Like you will always struggle if you want to be in this industry. And that's not a sign of you being shit. You know, that's not a sign of you being mud. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, yeah, just like, the lotus blooms in mud mm -hmm. like you might find some of your best work in a shit storm you know and and some of it's you know like a lot of my mentors have these amazing stories of like lugging luggage through you know the desert when it's like a hundred degrees out to just get a picture that they all wanted to create right. and it's the same like we all do that we all kind of like create in a way in a space that isn't always glamorous like mm -hmm. a lot of people are like oh you just get to like travel everywhere and stay in nice hotels and like the four seasons which uh, now here's a sponsor <laughs> no and it, that part is great but i've also stayed in like real shit places yeah. and been up at 3 a.m mm -hmm. driving somewhere mm -hmm. my, my husband's so sweet i had a job out in the middle of like not Palmdale it was like three hours away and they okay. wanted me to be there at 4 a.m and I was scared you well they offered to put me up but it was like in the middle of nowhere right. and I looked up the like the Bates Motel yes the hotel and I was like absolutely, absolutely not, not. And because I had never met any of the crew before, oh, wow. she's like, yeah. oh, you can like share a room with me. And I was like, absolutely no, not. I know you might murder me. <laughs> um, <laughs> you seem sweet. Uh, yes, I will work for you, but no, I will I'm not, not stay in the same room with you. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have the egg before the chicken, I think, yes. or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. I he woke up with me at like 1 a.m. to mm. drive with me because I was wow. scared to go by myself and then sat there for the shoot. No way. Yeah, he was with me. And like, but that's the shit we have to do. Like, that it's not always great. And yeah. it's not always, you know, like the nicest luxury. I mean, no, the video came out really cool. <laughs> uh, turns out I wasn't murdered. Yes. Um, and I didn't end up on like another podcast about a missing body. So that's great. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like that's we all go through it and we all have to do it. And there's no you might have to do it for three years. It's like I feel like our parents. Yeah, my parents did tell me like, you know, work hard, you know, put in your time. Then you get a promotion in this career. There's not there is no timeline. There is no you work hard you get something to show for it. There's mm. no like promotions. Right. You have to like you promote yourself. Exactly. And, and you'll, sometimes you might demote yourself, you know, sure. we've all done it. And like, that's the thing with this industry is you might be like, yeah, working for Gucci the next day and then find your husband driving with you somewhere because you know, you're a scaredy cat. So it's just like, yeah. And it's, but it's all fun. It's all yeah. like part of the journey. And like that I realized is, 
the fun part is not just setting a goal that's like up here mm-hmm. and then, you know, like trying to reach it. Right. It's like, let's have fun at all the shit that I'm going to have to do in between. Yeah. Because if not, then what are you doing it for? Right. Just to, at the end of the day, say I worked for Gucci. Okay. Right. Like, yeah. then what? Yeah. Well, yeah. That, I mean, that goes exactly back to the question about like, oh, have I made it? And it is those like tick marks right on the goal sheet yes absolutely have goals and dreams but mm. don't make the the process to get there like this shit storm or hell for yeah. yourself because yeah you're gonna look back on it and most likely you won't even make it to that point because you're gonna hate everything you've done yeah. to try and get there so enjoying I'm- the struggle and being able to like persevere in that to know that like you're actually growing this beautiful like lotus at the same time as like being in the muck and annoyances and frustration of you know driving to the middle of nowhere and hoping you don't get killed and end up on criminal the podcast <laughs> i made it on a monday and failed on a friday it's all in the same week you bang, know bang. i like it so looking towards the future do you you have any goals set for yourself for say the next three five ten years from now um do you see yourself living here in la do you want more kids you know are you you know, want to rule the world of makeup? Are you coming up with your own makeup lip brand? Like, yeah. are, what are the what's the visions for Nicole McGuire? I've never wanted my own makeup brand. Hmm. You can quote me on. I was going to say, said no one, no, I'm right? Kidding. I've said no Nicole. I don't. I don't. It seems like a lot, hmm. and we have so much to choose from and there's so many people that do it so well so you will not find me competing for that um i would like to probably um get with a brand and have you know i guess be an ambassador for that brand and grow with a brand um as a makeup artist not as you know a sales associate. <laughs> so <laughs> We're don't, not going back down the ladder. Yeah, so don't come for me. I'm, <laughs> I'm not having a kid and then working backwards. Um, but yeah, I would like to get a deal with a brand. And yeah, whether it's cr- like helping them creatively with images or product or, you know, I feel like that's a long-term goal eventually. I think I would like to do that. I don't know if we'll have more kids. I mean, I'm getting old. <laughs> There's less eggs to choose from (laughs) and the ones that are there are questionable. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I think I always I didn't even know that I wanted to have kids. Hmm. You know, Um, I was always that girl that's like, okay, if I get married, okay, great. If I have kids, okay, great. Frankie's great. And I don't want to mess it up by having another one because I hear the second like the first one is the angel that lures you into having a second one. Aren't you a second child, though? Yes, but once you hit perfection, you stop. Ah, I see. What and you're or if you fucked up the first time, you know, then you try you again. Try again. Yeah. Ah, I see. Got it. There's. So, I've honestly, I've spent my whole 37 years coming up with comebacks for my brother. <laughs> <laughs> you and my sister would get along oh so well. Oh my god, it was so funny because like we were recently talking, and it was just like my whole life, my brother's like, "Well, you're adopted. Why don't? Why do you think there's no pictures of you in the family?" And now I'm like, "I wish I was adopted." <laughs> And my mother's like, don't say that, Nicole. And I was like, he spent a good 10 years telling me I was, and now I'm owning it, and everyone's upset. Wow. wow. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, like I said, you bought this house. Yeah. So that is kind of like the quintessential planting roots in Los Angeles or wherever you're right. at. Right. Do you see yourself staying here, um, or is this just kind of like a jump and uh, mm. to the next, you know, 
next step in your life. I know yeah. that your husband is also, you know, from the UK and right. you're obviously your roots are back in Vegas. Like Oof, we won't be back there. <laughs> not buying a track home. Yeah, okay. Sorry, mom and dad. We will not Come visit. Yeah, we will not. You, please. I'm going to actually send this to them so they can listen to it because I don't think they believe me when I say I won't be back. Not even in retirement. We're not I going. will not be back yeah we actually yeah my husband's british and actually our first home um is in england so this is our our second home okay Um, so we're international um no but we we don't know we're Mm. we both work for ourselves Mm -hmm. um he came out here and again like another blessing for covid was that he started his own company four months before COVID hit and they were having trouble getting loans from the banks because they didn't have enough um, time being a business. So then when COVID hit, they were able to get the loans. So it actually helped him. So now his business is thriving. So we kind of bought this house and our mentality is that, yeah, um, we're kind of building a portfolio, if you will, of, of homes and we don't know if we're going to sell them or not. You know, especially here in L.A., it's such a good um, market. Yeah. And it always kind of has been. So we'll probably just, you know, keep it and we'll decide. Like we've always said that we want Frankie to go to school in England Mm. because I want her to be smart. Um. (laughs) The shade. The the American. The California. Yeah. yeah. California shade. It's sunny as hell out here. Not in here. She got the sunny spot and the umbrella out, girl, because the shade is yeah. After this past year, I've like, honestly, I've never been more embarrassed to be American mm. and white. Like, I mm. literally want to disown both. Mm. Um, <laughs> kind of hard on the latter of the two, but okay, yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I feel like we're just kind of, you know, doing what feels right. And if we weren't, neither of us are um, scared. Mm-hmm. of life or to you know be like well like i'm not scared to live there and not be near my family mm-hmm. um or and vice versa obviously i'm so grateful he came out here and you know and especially with covid like he hasn't seen his family in over a year they mm-hmm. haven't met our baby and she's wow. a year and like it's just a lot like and i'm so grateful that like he hasn't complained once mm-hmm. you know and i know if the roles were reversed i'd be in london bitching <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, please just go home. Yeah. He'd like, be like, please just shut up and take the child with you if yeah, you have to. Uh, yeah. No, please. You and the child go. I think it'll be better for all of us. <laughs> Sign here. You guys go. Um, but I am so grateful that he... Jesus. Are we on a racetrack? My Jesus. gosh. Where did you <laughs> Sorry. We're, we're at the Las Vegas Speedway. <laughs> I want the Lamborghini. Yes, sir. Here's the keys. Please go. I mean, so we're just going to, you know, see what happens. And we... I. Our thoughts were that when Frankie was five, we would move to England. Okay. Um, but that also depends on our business mm-hmm. and, you know, what's going on in the world, you know, um, and what makes sense. And, like, you know, we're not led by our baby either. Like, I, I love that I get to share this with him because him and I are not, like, we love Frankie. She honestly is our world, but we're not the type of parents who are like letting her run our world. Like she right. came into our lives, right. you know, and she's integrating nicely. She's such a good baby. Like, and so it's just like, we're not like, oh, but the baby needs this. So we're going to, you know, move here and we're going to then do this. And then, you know, by the time they're seven, it's kind of like, 
I don't know. I fly by the seat of my pants and I'm happy that he does yeah. allow me to do that. Sometimes yeah. he grabs my pants and pulls me back down to earth, you know? So it's nice. That's good. It's yeah. good balance. Yeah. You need someone to. Oh, I did. I really needed him. And I didn't realize that. Like, I feel like I'm so grateful that like everything in my life, like guy wise, didn't work out. You mm. know what I mean? And I feel like I now understand like for the first time like at the age of well well probably when we got married I realized ah that's why no one worked out and like and not to be scared if something isn't working out because it's not like you're gonna like if you don't want to be lonely forever you won't you know what I mean but you also have to be in a good space and know what you want you Mm. know what I mean to be like not put up with anyone's bullshit because here in LA you can put up with a lot of bullshit absolutely you know but again I I feel like so much happens even in a year I've just Mm -hmm. literally watched this past year of like things happen um and just rolling with it for me I think is like how you get through Mm -hmm. you know and of course I have thoughts of like where I'll be and I could definitely live in the like I mean it's a very it's going to be reality at some point because my husband's family is there. Right. So I can, I just don't know when that right. will be and when I'll be ready. Cause he might have to pull me mm. like kicking and screaming. Yeah. Not that I don't, I love London. I love it. The weather. Yeah. It's a little depressing. Yeah. Maybe go test out Seattle first and then see. Oh my God. No. Like <laughs> right. for the weekend. Yeah, exactly. She's like a weekend in Seattle. Same thing as London. Got it. Done. Yeah. It'll probably be one of those things where he doesn't want to go back because he's mm-hmm. like, well, it's always sunny here. Right. No, it's true. <laughs> so I did it right. You know, yeah. by getting you him snuck here. him right in. Yeah. You're like, you're not leaving. Guess yeah. what? I was like, come on over, illegal immigrant. <laughs> Stop. Honestly, I, I'm going to tell you this because I don't care about illegal immigrants coming over here and my tax money paying for it. If you have ever tried to have a legal Im- illegal immigrant come over legally, it is expensive and you are fucking privileged. Yes. No, Anyways. absolutely. Well, not only that, to be honest, right? This country was founded. I mean, now we're, really we're all off. immigrants. Yeah, we're all immigrants. <laughs> like, who are you kidding? The indigenous people of this country were the actual founding people of it. And we just took it over yeah. and just kept on flowing in. So, yeah. I know. Anyways, I'm sorry to get no, no, no. political, but I just, it's literally something for me now because I've gone through the process and spent the money on it. And I'm like, no wonder you. Mm-hmm. I would come over here illegally too. Like, no way. I was yeah. like, have any of these people who created this tried to go through their own process? Because mm. I bet you they wouldn't, like, they wouldn't, it wouldn't be the way it was if they tried to do it, like, right. themselves. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. What's interesting, though, is a lot of other countries actually have it even more difficult to get into their country and become either a citizen or even stay there, like, on a visa. America <laughs> is very difficult to get into, but it is a country that has so many freedoms that people want to be a part of it. Right. And so I think what's messed up though, is that so many of these immigrants who have come here pay into taxes. They work and, you know, harder than we do. Ain't that the truth? They work. Yeah. (laughs) They work hard jobs, period. They're not privileged. They're not luxury like us who are dispensable. Right. Yeah. No, but uh, to be honest, a lot of it is right. They're essential workers. They're people that are working hard. They're paying the taxes and they just want a better life for themselves you ate through covid because people would yes. go out and, and get work your their food asses for off. you exactly so, fuck off yeah absolutely <laughs> no and i think that the reality of it is is that if we don't have 
immigration policy, but not even policy, if we don't let people, right, try and come and make a better life in this country, which is what it was kind of founded on, right, right. is then we're kind of doing ourselves a disservice, you know, because our country can only go so long with what it is. And looking at the way that our next generation of young people are at, yeah. it's not like we're popping out babies. I mean, you did, but <laughs> it's not like we're, you know, creating, you know, uh, generation after generation that is wanting to, you know, keep growing this like American right. dream. It is becoming so much more diverse. And it's actually because of those immigrants and the patchwork of people that make us so unique and amazing. Right. Like, I feel like I'm going to teach Frankie, like, leave. <laughs> 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 Pack your bags and, and go to Mars. Yes. Spend the money and yes. go live on Mars. Yes. Mom and dad have a great portfolio. We can totally yeah. afford to get you <laughs> We there. got you a place on Mars. It's Stop. fine. I mean, you never know. That might be the future. <laughs> Elon is probably from there already. He can yeah. tell. He speaks the language. So awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for joining and giving us all the tea and letting us know a little bit more about yourself. If people would like to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Nicole um, McGuire. It changed? Well, it's okay. So what's your ad handle? Nicole Whitman parentheses McGuire. You go at N-I-C-O-L-E. W-I-T-T-M-A-N, right? And then it'll pop up and it'll say Nicole Whitman McGuire because I can't afford to lose all my fans because I got married. So I ha I'm, I'm in the middle of switching. Everything right now is like Whitman McGuire. It's so funny because like on the call sheet, it'll always say like Whitman already spelled wrong. So I'm like, fine. And then I'll just go in there and change it to McGuire or like, or I have to go get a COVID test. And they're like, what's your name? And I was like, Nicole McGuire. And they're like, hmm. And I'm just like, well, you didn't ask me if I had a new last name. And I do. And you just put Whitman because you've known me for 10 years. Hmm. So there you did go. you find me? Yeah. So it's well, you're already following me, weirdo. Of course. So it's at right? Nicole Whitman, but in her actual biography it says nicole mcguire parentheses whitman so yes so at nicole whitman on instagram are you on twitter or facebook or any of those other jazzy things are you a tiktoker oh my god i am on tiktok but i haven't done for a while i i did really ramp it up during covid i'm funny though so if i do create tiktoks they're funny so maybe just follow me in the sense that if i make a tiktok in the next month or something it'll be great um <laughs> <laughs> wow. Beep, beep. Hong Kong. There's her promotion. Let's go. Instagram is my main page. Yeah. Or you can call me. Oh. Yeah. And we can hang out. There we go. Yeah. Not all of you, but you. Yes. I'm me. pointing at you. Great. Right. So and uh, not you. if we want to see more of your work um, or your full portfolios, can is there a website we can go to? Yeah. It's www.nicolelmaguire.com. Wonderful. Uh-huh. Thank you so much, Nicole, for joining today's podcast. I look forward to chatting with you off the air. Oh, it was so good. I'm so glad you asked me to do this. One, because I get to see you. And two, because this is great. I'm so excited that you're doing this podcast. And it's fantastic. So I'm glad that, you know, this is happening. Thank you. Thank you. Proud much of you. Appreciated. Proud of you. Proud of you. Oh, I like that. Double, <laughs> double tap and peace. We out. We out. Wow, that was a really fun episode to record. Thank you again to Nicole for allowing me to do the interview and having such a great time. This week's Buddhist quote of the day is, 
What does attaining Buddhahood mean for us? It does not mean that one day we suddenly turn into a Buddha or become magically enlightened. Someone who claims the latter is more than likely a fraud. In a sense, attaining Buddhahood means that we have securely entered the path or orbit of Buddhahood by Daisaku Ikeda, Faith into Action. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Creative Lotus Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Zaki. Please go ahead and subscribe, rate us, and write a review. And follow me at Alan Zaki on social media. I look forward to having more amazing creative dialogues on the next episode. Thank you.